Welcome to Play and Pedagogy. I'm your host, Ali. This is a space where we explore the different forms of pedagogy and play to foster creative thinking and inspire meaningful actions in our world. This podcast is based in New Westminster, British Columbia in Canada. New Westminster is on the unceded and unsurrendered land of the Halkomayom-speaking peoples. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, I have an amazing guest with us this week. It's Amanda Murphy, who is a toy maker, and she is the owner of Forest Learning Tools. Hi, Amanda. Hi. Hi. How's it going? Really good. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So let's just start with um, where are we right now? Currently, we're in, uh, well, my home, which is a basement suite in Burnaby. And yeah, this is where I the magic happens. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Like even when I just came in here, it's like a very cozy kind of studio space. There's kind of these pictures on the walls with like animals, like your pets, and then there's just a big basket of wool. Yep. Like yep, that's all the roving that, that I, I'll, I'll use for like making the felted trees and mm -hmm. any felted balls. And I just started doing snails, snails. making like little like small world play snails. And okay. I make felted mushrooms as well, which are a hot seller. People, mm -hmm. it doesn't, honestly, I, I don't believe I've sold that many to actual people with children. Really? <laughs> it's a lot of people that just see the mushrooms and... It's a need right now. I so think like older, older like, people. And yeah. That's really interesting because um, your stand. I remember I saw. I've met you first at the New West. Was it Craft, craft Market? Market? Yeah. Yes, the yeah. New West Craft Market um, in New Westminster, BC. And I remember that your stand was. It stood out because of all the colors. Like mm -hmm. there's just something that draws you in with just the bright colors and all the simple shapes. And I went up to you and then um, you had all these kind of natural wooden pieces and 
I remember you had all these felted trees and I wanted one so bad. And I don't do small world play, but there's just this magical quality about kind of touching, seeing and owning little toys. And maybe when adults see your toys, it kind of like brings them back into that happiness. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Potentially. That's, yeah, a really great take on it. Same with just all the knickknacks that we collect in our lives. I feel mm -hmm. like that's little pieces that we've kind of n that nostalgia of yeah. going back to our childhood and that wanting and that need to play, which yeah. I think anything that you do, it should be play. For sure. Hiking is play for adults, you know, going for brunch with your friends. That's a different form of play, but it's all inherently in us. Which, yeah. yeah, this is so crazy because I was just listening to a podcast, I think it's called Powerful Pedagogy, and their recent guest was talking about how, um, how play looks like in adults, and it's just like what you said, it's kind of doing things that um, maybe for some of us play can be something that's calming, like meditating yeah. or yoga, and then for some people um, it's other ways of kind of problem-solving or kind of adapting in the world. So I have like wood rounds that are getting ready to be used in a couple different products. And then I have all the stamps, uh, shapes that I purchased for my wooden stamps. Oh, these are um, perfectly shaped rounds i gotta say all the wood i get is sourced ethically mm -hmm. so i don't cut any trees down to make anything that i use it's already fallen or already dead dried preferably so i don't have to dry them out um or driftwood okay. so a lot of it i collect in the harrison lake area um Chehalis lake uh is it's probably about an hour drive on a forest service road um and they have like just it's a great spot to find trees and driftwood and things like that so and it's nice and clean my husband's an arborist and he's always if yeah. we go try to find driftwood in the ocean or like down the fraser river he's like yeah. ew this is gross like kids could be putting this in their mouth so i want to make sure it's oh safe for God. them and especially even if he falls a tree at work then he'll save pieces and bits for me if it's That's all amazing. good to go so you married the right guy. yeah i did really <laughs> real handy yeah when did you start this i only started it a year it's so it's just a little over a year ago that i started okay. congrats yeah thank oh, you yeah. end of october ish so yeah we've just uh, just gone past the one year anniversary but i've been in ece for 10 years and i make a lot of my own stuff when i first started I was working at Douglas Park Preschool in Vancouver mm -hmm. and we were kind of revamping the entire program and there wasn't a lot of resources. So unfortunately our resources to make them last longer, we did a lot of like printables and then just lam cut and laminated everything. Yes. I mean, we had our plastic toys and we also had like our wooden toys, but wooden toys are just so expensive. Yes. And then I uh, was there for five years and then I decided that I wanted to open up my own outdoor school and I tried to start doing the process of that in Burnaby. That didn't go 
through. So then I, we started looking at Coquitlam. Um, I was with a previous teacher that I had worked with at Douglas Park. Mm -hmm. Her name's Harpreet. We were working on that together. And unfortunately, the way that the programs run through the, we were trying to do it through the community centers and they need a certain amount of children to enroll for the mm -hmm. program to actually go through. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we would always get like four kids enrolled, but we needed six. Oh, so we just never got it started. Listen, and I know how that feels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like that. And then uh, luckily, I mean, seriously, worked out in our favor, pandemic happened. Mm -hmm. And we're like, well, I'm really glad that I'm not a business owner right now because this would really suck. And at the time I had ended up just going, I was like, I don't really see this going through anytime soon. So I started working at Kinder Campus in Port Moody. Kinder Campus? Yes. What's this? Uh, kind of like a family owned business. It's been around for about 25 years. And the owner, Safia, started it in her basement suite with like an in-home daycare. It has now blossomed to one, two, three, four, five, six different locations. Wow. Yeah. Like all over the lower mainland. All over Port Moody. Wow. Yeah. Wait, but Port Moody is quite small. So small, yes. So my Yeah, so my daycare is Old Orchard. Uh so the other side so if you look if you went to Rocky Point and looked straight across, mm -hmm. that's where my work is. Okay. So we have the ocean there, we have the train that goes by, we have our own outdoor space, and then we also have the forest that we hike to every Friday to do four school Fridays. Wow. And we're just incredibly fortunate in that location. We face south, so we get the sunlight all day long, which in the summer isn't always the nicest with the heat waves, but it's just such beautiful lighting. And it's a very natural environment. She's always been very big on having natural resources. And so, but there was still little things that I was like, oh, I wish we would have. And so mm -hmm. that's kind of where I started Forest Learning Tools. There was a lot of great people that I was seeing online in the UK and in Australia and even some in the States that were doing great things and offering products, but then shipping, custom costs. Yeah. And I was like, again, so I buy this thing for actually a fairly reasonable price, but then to ship it here is another $40. So now I'm back up to like, if I just went and bought something here, right. um, in like in a store. So mm -hmm. that was where I thought why I can do this. I could, I would look at things. I'm like, Hey, I could make that. Oh, I could do that. So I started off small and just it, each couple of months I've been doing subscription kits. So, um, each month I'm having to come up with something new Wow. or like yeah. something that I'm like, okay, I've seen that online. I can recreate that for my subscribers <laughs> and put my own little spin on it or just recreate it so that I can offer it to them at a reasonable price. Kinder Campus supported me. I, they did a huge order from me. Uh, yes. Basically told everybody, all the other teachers in the other locations, like look at Amanda's website and just order what you want from her. So that was amazing. And then wow. they've supported me with, they do five subscription kits so that it goes to each and every location. That's so, amazing. And then I have two families, um, a family that is in my school right now. And then actually a friend that ended up supporting me too out in Kelowna. Okay. So I try to get her stuff out to her as well. I think it's really great that you mention all this kind of multi-use with your products because one thing that I was really drawn to was the fact that it's very open-ended 
this wood was really nice because it's got the bark still on it. And it's such a nice. simple concept. Yeah. But, and, and the thing is, I feel like a lot of people could make it, but we don't. That's like a couple of the centers saw me doing it and then they yeah. decided to do it themselves and they mm -hmm. just went to the dollar store and bought the regular pre-pressed wood browns. Mm -hmm. And I had seen this on Instagram by another creator yeah. in the UK. And I was like, those are really simple to make. Yeah. But if you don't have the time, I'm not charging tons. Like for a set of six, I'm charging $20. Yeah. So then you're saving your time, but you have like a really nice resource, right? Yeah. So, and that's, Amazing. I guess what, that's what it is. It's like, how do you value your time if you're wanting to create something or if you have the means to create it? When I've been doing subscription kits, I've been screenshotting ideas or writing them down and drawing them. Mm -hmm. And then I'll literally go to my coworkers and be like, hey, what do you think about this? Right. Cause they're also an ECE and we, they, seen a lot of things so most of the time they're like oh that's amazing that's awesome yeah and then I had that one parent who's also an ECE was like hey could you switch it up or add things to it mm -hmm. I've been really wanting I do like rainbow rounds yeah and on the back I write the English names of each color and I've been really wanting to do one in a different language yes. like French or something like that but yeah. it's difficult also I don't want to create a bunch of stuff and then just have it sitting and nobody purchase it oh so, so you actually you don't you don't make stuff in bulk it's just when you need it yes oh, mostly so or if I'm like okay I'll make this one take a picture and be like hey it's out there and then if I sell it then great but then I'll just kind of keep it off to the side and if okay. somebody else is interested in it then I make it to order Again, yeah, that's the, so the only time I do bulk making is for markets and then the subscription kits. So. That's a really good idea because I think one thing, um, I, I've also tried to make some wooden toys during the pandemic, but it's just not for me. But yeah, I think uh, one of the tricky things is when you make a lot of stuff, it takes up a lot of space. And as, yeah. you know, a fellow educator, we sometimes hoard things because sure. we know yeah. we're going to use them at a craft <laughs> yeah. later on. Yeah. Or like, you know, one day, like I'll five use this years down 20 road, years from now, this I gotta cardboard keep it. box yeah. will probably be very useful yeah. along with these 20 other cardboard boxes, yeah. you know? <laughs> For sure. So I think it's really a great idea and it's, it's a very healthy way of operating to just see what is needed. It, it also builds like a very close customer base. I think. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And that's like, I've seen other makers do like batch sales. So they'll make a bunch and then only offer that that one time. So right. if you don't get it, you're, you might not be getting it for a while. Mm -hmm. And I've tried to do that with some things, especially seasonal items, but I just don't have that follower base yet to mm -hmm. sell out in certain things or be able to do that. And unfortunately I don't charge a lot of money because I then charge shipping. Yeah. Because oh, shipping now is, is crazy expensive. It is. So I'm like, well, if I build that into my cost, then that ups the cost. And I would have to build it in for everything. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely a lot of more local sales than like far reaching sales right now. Yeah, I noticed in toy stores, um, we all know the Grimm's or Grapput wooden toys which yes. are really expensive and I, I do love them because they have the most beautiful dyes. They do, it's yeah. Just so they, they bend their wood and it's really beautiful and I know kids are very drawn to it but it's at a price point where it's 
really unaffordable for a lot of families. Um, and so I'm curious about how you make your, um, how you're able to make your resources so accessible. Finding the wood and not having to purchase it, huge. Most of the time when I'm looking for wood, it's already when I'm already camping or I'm already going for a hike. So I just yeah. kind of build that into my like scanning of the area or okay, we need to stop on the side of the road and go look for wood in this one area before we leave sort of situation. So that helps. Wood is also very costly right now. Mm -hmm. And then I honestly don't charge a lot for my time. I, I enjoy doing it mm -hmm. and I get reprimanded from all of my friends and my husband saying I should be charging more. Yeah. But that was the whole point of making this was to make it accessible totally. for everybody. So, you know, I work an eight hour day, nine hours with a break at work. I'll bike home. It's a 40 minute bike ride to and from work for me. And then I come home, I'll maybe make dinner if it's not already made. And then I will sit there for two hours in the evening while watching TV, felting stuff, and just stabbing away you know on the felt. Stabbing is great. <laughs> it's very to release cathartic. <laughs> We're talking about felt, by felting, the way. Felting, yes. <laughs> so yeah. I do a lot of wet felting, but okay. and I've just kind of started getting into more of the actual, the stabbing part um, of felting. Amazing. But yeah, I just find it very soothing, even if I'm painting. It's still art in some form. Yeah. So. You're playing. Yeah, I'm playing. Your it's work my playtime. Exactly. <laughs> so for me, it's yep. my playtime. It keeps me creative. Definitely during the pandemic, I hadn't painted in years. I have a certificate in visual arts and design. I've done tons of art throughout my entire life. But work, especially with ECE, you are creating a lot. You are creating different play opportunities. You are creating materials. And curriculum. Too. And curriculum. And then your whole aspect of creating kind of just gets pushed off to the wayside. So you're not really ever doing anything for yourself where yes, I'm creating these items for other people, but I'm still doing it for myself. It's my business. Yes. So yeah. That's, I need to stop saying that's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> and I keep catching myself saying like all the time and I'm like, stop <laughs> saying like. <laughs> all good. Uh, what am I looking at right here? That is the subscription kit for February and it's partially done. Um, I got locks and keys. Mm -hmm. um, so the locks will go in the little hooks and then the keys will go on this rung and I've painted hearts on the locks and then the little color coordinating matching key. So it's kind of like a color matching as well as a fine motor activity of like actually having to stick the key in, unlock the lock and then take it out. It's so, very, I'm really enjoying very tactile. the sounds. Yeah. And it's, uh... <laughs> the kids, we put it out on the shelf uh, this week. And it was so funny because the kids, the first one to take the lock off, they're like, uh, Miss Amanda, we broke it. And I'm like, no, actually, that's how you're supposed to play with it. So that's okay. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> so, yeah. That's amazing. You have, you know, your kids to kind of be guinea pigs almost. Yeah. Like, see what they like, see, see what, what they're they drawn like. to. Yes. Thing. So wood round and then I just drill holes into it and then they take the 
tongs and move the woven ball into, which for us, it's like, oh, this is so easy, so easy. But for a child who's still building their muscles and their hands, mm -hmm. um, pushing the tongue in to be able to grip the item can still be quite difficult for them. Yeah. So it's great. Um, fine motor skills are essential for your pre-writing skills. Right. So before a child should even hold a pencil, they say, they should be working on their muscles for their hands because then they'll be actually able to grip a pencil properly. For sure. So a lot of my items are a lot of fine motor and building that into that because that it's incredibly important and yeah. they can't can't really move forward and be able to feel like they can succeed without that that grip built i think it's so important to emphasize the use of toys that are very simple like as you just mentioned like you know if we are putting these little balls into the holes it's like oh it's so easy like it's not some like talking robot dog or whatever mm -hmm. but it's so important to emphasize the use of these simple materials because um i've noticed that because uh, i work with elementary middle and high school as an artist i'll go in and kind of work with the kids with art and music and technology and i've noticed that literally in middle school like grade seven eight some of them can't tie a knot or or grab a sticker off a sticker sheet and to me that's like lack of practicing of their fine motor skills and i also noticed that when teaching piano a lot of kids now have double jointed fingers where when they push on the piano key their whole finger kind of flattens, oh, out. flattens out yeah so they they all have these curved kind of fingers and also i think from screen tapping yeah. and i haven't seen that before when all all the kids had access to ipads a few years ago so it's yeah I, I think it's super amazing that you're bringing this into your community and it's great that your work is also supporting it as well i have a question yeah. so at old orchard yeah that location there do you run the studio like you're uh, in charge of so it? So I'm not in charge of it. So we have a supervisor, Alex, and then I'm the lead educator in okay. the classroom. So here we say it's the heartbeat of the classroom. And so I support the supervisor in her supervisor role. She does a lot more of like the emails and enrolling children in the daycare and all that kind of stuff yeah. where it'll be me on the floor kind of guiding the other educators or being like, oh, okay, five five more minutes, yeah, five more minutes. We're very much more of a family in our center. It sounds where like a team. It is very much a team. And I feel like sometimes that gets lost in the ECE culture because you're just go, 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 go all the time. And pre-pan, or sorry, post-pandemic, um, we kind of really looked at our classroom and we got rid of a lot of the items on the shelves. Like we felt right. like we were overstocking shelves with toys and, and just play items. Um, we got rid of our morning circles. We only do one circle in the afternoon because okay. we also have a French teacher and a music teacher that comes in twice a week. So we were just finding, wow, our kids are doing a lot of sit down yes, rather than just play. And since the pandemic, we have seen a lot of children not have any emotional or behavioral base anymore oh, interesting. because they've been so isolated. So a lot of the kids that, you know, as everyone's coined the COVID babies, 
they haven't had any socialization. So their socialization skills we're now having to build from ground zero, where normally right. they would come into our care at two and a half, three, sometimes even four, finishing off their year with us before they go to kindergarten with some kind of basis, like, oh, I've been to play cafes, or I've been to the playground lots, or I've been to swim lessons, or the library reading groups, or I've literally just been playing with the kids in my neighborhood right. at some point. But parents have isolated themselves so much and for fear, which is valid, but that's really hindered the children now. And so we're fine. So we were just finding like, why are we sitting down so much? We need to really just let them play. Yes. Let them play, build those bases, be able to communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. And that's always been any goal in any daycare that I've ever been in is always building their social and emotional skills before kindergarten. They learn their ABCs. They learn their one, two, threes. Yeah. They learn all that kind of stuff in kindergarten. We don't need to be drilling that into our children's heads. It's really the social and emotional skills. Yes. If someone's bothering you, instead of pushing them or yelling at them, it's saying, stop, I don't like what you're doing. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing we tell them, say, stop, I don't like what you're doing. I always use hand motions too sometimes. Yeah. Stop. Then And then we always say, if, some, if they're not listening to you, move your body away. Ah, move your body away, move it somewhere else, go play with other friends, go find a different activity. If they're still bothering you, if they follow you to the sandbox now and they're still bothering you and they're still poking you or still pushing you or still trying to grab your toy that you have, then come find a teacher. Okay. And then we'll help you. This is interesting to hear because I don't remember, I don't know how it was like when you were in preschool. Nobody taught me that. <laughs> I, me neither. I was like, am I missing something? Yeah. Like, I don't think I, no. I, I know I was taught to share. Yeah. I don't remember this kind of how to learning how to regulate emotions and express ourselves clearly yeah. and set boundaries. Yeah. I think, is this something that is new in daycares or something that's just kind of like naturally integrated? I think for me, so, it's always been naturally integrated where like at Douglas Park, when I first kind of started getting into the field, I had great mentors that used all of this language. And it was always very important to us to, because previously before we were there, it was a very academic school. And we really turned it into a play-based school. And then we were theme play-based. So each month or each week, we would have a theme. Then we started really building it off of like what the kids wanted to do each theme. So we would sit down at circle times and be like, hey, what do you guys want to learn? Instead of being like, oh, well, it's fall time. So we have to learn about fall. Right. Right. So then it was like, what do you guys want to do? So for Christmas time one year, they wanted to learn about art. A bunch of kids were really into art. Yeah. So we said, great, let's learn about different artists. So we did different artists and had, we normally decorated the gym where we would have like um, our big concert mm -hmm. with all their artwork and ours, one, one side was all Christmas decorations <laughs> and ours was all different kind of artworks that we just randomly did as a class. So, but that was very child led. And then my last year there was very, you walked in and just threw some stuff down on the table of what you really felt that day, maybe what kids were interested in the day before. Yeah. Honestly, half the time, because it was a preschool program that I worked at then, it's only two and a half hours for the four-year-olds. So we would sometimes spend our entire day outside for yeah. two hours and then go, oh, 
my goodness, we have 15 minutes to feed you snack and send you to your parents because <laughs> we would just forget. Great though, because yes. the kids are having fun. I, I mean, yeah. I'm really impressed by what, what did you say? Two and a half hours? Two and a half hours. That's a lot of, of time. time. And, and as someone who also works with say three to five year olds, usually my programs are kind of scheduled 45 minutes to an hour because, you know, e even with up and down activities, it's just, difficult to kind of keep their attention but you know what when you are allowing a child-led um, or, or fostering a child-led learning environment they're always doing stuff that they're interested in so yeah. why would they stop yeah it's just it, it and works. sometimes it's really hard to get them to stop but that's yeah. and that's fine right so that's even in our school you know uh, people have different tactics of getting kids attentions I've had the bell ringing the bell to get everybody's attention that's so jarring for me personally yeah so i'm like i've never really liked it um then we started and it's what i do now is we usually have music playing in the background um what have you so we'll turn the music down low so mm -hmm. that's kind of already a cue of like Ooh, something's happening yeah. and literally we just sing hello everybody stop and look stop and look stop and look and then, Hello, everybody. Oh, I yeah. thought we were going to do a round. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can we try Can it? we try Wait, yeah. can you sing it once so I can get the lyrics? Yeah. And then you do it again, and then I'll come in on the round. Okay, okay, sounds Here good. Okay. Hello, everybody. Stop and look. Stop and look. Stop and look. Hello, everybody. Stop Hello, and everybody. look. Stop and look. Stop and look. Stop and look. look. <laughs> And all the teachers will chime in and usually that's where the team aspect comes in instead of just one teacher being like oh we have five minutes i'm going to do the five minute warning kind mm -hmm. of thing we'll all say hey how are you feeling oh they're playing really well right now yeah we can push snack a little bit longer not so we're very fluid in our we have a schedule but we're very fluid with our schedule mm -hmm. and then yeah we'll all sing that all the kids are now have your attention and we'll say five more minutes to play friends five more minutes and we'll mm -hmm. put up our hands for five minutes We'll turn the music back up a little loud, let them keep playing. And then at the five minute mark, we'll, we don't even, we have a great song that we just actually happened to find in my Spotify playlist. It was I'm one listening. of the- I'm listening, can you sing it? Yeah, it's, <laughs> oh my goodness, look at this mess. I'm the one who made it, I do confess. Oh, oh my goodness, look at this mess. It's time to, or I better start cleaning it up, something like that. <laughs> yeah, so then we have that. So it just transitions from the music that we're already listening to and yep. then it'll transition to that song. Oh. Um, and then they kind of have that cue of like, oh, it's time to stop playing. So you're, again, you're not jarring them out of the play too much. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, oh, okay, it's time to start cleaning up now. So. I wonder if you have, do you have um, any instruments that you play or any kind of musical background? Unfortunately, no. I used to play the flute and that cool. had so many dents in it because I would get so frustrated and hit it, which is terrible <laughs> as somebody who I'm sure is like musically inclined. You're like, not the instrument. Yeah. I have a ukulele that I've been really wanting to learn how to play. Okay. I don't, I have a drum. I'm not, I feel like I'm just not rhythmically inclined sometimes. But so. I was going to say when you're singing, like your, your voice is very clear and you're in tune and you have a good sense of rhythm. I'm like, dude, are you a music? Because you, you also talk about music um, in, it, it, it seems like music is a pretty integral part of the structure of the class. Yes. Um, and for 
my classes or workshops as well, I find that there's a huge difference between, say, the kids walking into a classroom where it's silent, mm -hmm. which is actually most of the workshops that I've been to where I observe other educators or facilitators doing a workshop for kids, usually with art and technology. And as compared to one where we're playing, say, ambient music or some kind of playlist that we put together. And it, it really is so simple. It's kind of like when you go to a cafe and you're in this yeah. zone where everyone is clinking, clanking, you know, they're their coffee cups and you can hear this lo-fi chill music thing on Spotify and you just get into the zone of working and I think it's very similar when you're about to create this space an invitation to play to learn to spend time with your peers it's really I think of music as kind of holding it together, as holding that space, because it is it is time, and we're spending a lot of time together. Yeah. Setting a vibe. That's what like I was saying, pretty that's, much. Yeah, we definitely, um, we've had a couple practicum students come in and say, like, oh, you just you just play whatever. And I, I we're, yeah, I don't want to listen to kids' music all day. Yeah, there'll be moments in the day that we do kids' yeah. music, especially during circle time or what have you. Mm -hmm. But I'm... I don't want to listen to Frozen over and over again. We play um, actually the Bridgerton soundtrack. Let me let me bring up is maybe amazing. one of your favorite tracks. Oh, I where is is it on Spotify? Yes. So okay. one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we also do. I found that we would have you know you have a lineup of kids getting ready to go to the bathroom, wash their hands, get ready for snack. There's the kids that have the natural wiggles. And so I've actually been doing um, bathroom dance parties. So I bring the speaker into the bathroom and it's not too loud because it's already very echoey, yeah. but I literally put on dance music, like techno dubstep. And yes, the kids are just like vibing and it gets them almost going a little bit faster because then they got this rhythm. <laughs> and so they'll be like peeing and out and wash their hands and like that. 50 seconds. <laughs> You're completely controlling their tempo. Their tempo, yeah. And then you have the kids that are in the lineup that are still stuck in line, like vibing out to the music. And I'll be in the bathroom, like in the mirror, vibing out with them. And like, <laughs> was this your idea? Yeah, I would always okay. say, because there would, a lot of the times, we have to walk through their bathroom to get to our bathroom. And so a lot of the girls will always stand in the mirror, and we have some that will belt out songs in the mirror. And so I'll go by and I'll be like, oh, dan dance party. Or I'll be like, bathroom party, woo. Because there'll be like five of them in there, two going to the bathroom, one waiting their turn and another two washing their hands. Yeah. And so then I was like, why don't I just start bringing music into the bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> so. Genius. One of the, let's see if I can find one. I'm going to share that idea <laughs> with other teachers that I know who are working with little kids because that's a really smart idea. Yeah. And sometimes kids are like, oh, I don't really like this song. And I'm like, well, then I guess it'll just be faster. <laughs> <laughs> You'll wash your hands a little bit faster. Yeah, to get out um, of there. To get out of there. Oh, sorry. I'm trying to just have so many playlists. So, okay, the dance one. So it's um, the Never Ending Story Power Club Mix. Wash your hands. Yeah. Wash your hands. Dance. 
to wash your hands and close the door. It hypes you up. It hypes you it's up good. and it gets you going. And then, yeah, yeah, they head off to snack and then we sing another song. Yeah, so. It's so yeah. fun. Like, are you guys taking applications? <laughs> For, for like adults yes <laughs> well we get a lot of our parents saying this is so fun yeah like can we like I would want to stay here yeah and that's we redid the classroom a lot we got a lot of twinkle lights going on now um which actually releases the serotonin and the happy vibe in your in your brain um a twinkle lights I just read I something no idea. about that too so we've added so many twinkle lights so a lot more ambient light rather than having the big huge overhead lights on right. um really just kind of making like that homey vibe we have photos in our um, dramatic play area in picture frames and it's photos of the kids and photos of us with the kids so it's not just hanging on the wall they're actually tangible and they can pick them up and look at okay. their friends and be like oh do you remember that and then we have our class picture also down low for them to see and yeah so. I'm curious actually feeding off of that where did you get your education for ECE I did it at Vancouver Community College okay VCC yeah. VCC and yeah was there um did you learn all the different types of early child education or is there specific is there a specific kind of pedagogy that you personally really are inspired by like is it is it Reggio Emilia or Montessori like is there a specific one that you're like I think it's a little bit of all okay. so school was play-based mm -hmm. um and when I started school my volunteer hours I did it at Montessori and I went in going okay well this is going to be a play-based school but I kind of want to see how a bunch of different daycares run so I did my volunteer hours at a Montessori which I like certain aspects from it, but not all of it. Right. I liked having their mats on the ground as their own play space to kind of say like, this is my barrier. So kids aren't running across your puzzle that you're trying to work on or what, mm -hmm. what have you. Um, and then I did my practicum at a preschool, which is Douglas Park, where I ended up getting hired. I did another practicum at the Jewish Community Center because I wanted to see how religion played into childcare. Mm -hmm. um, and then I did my last one at the VCC's McGregor okay. daycare and it's in a high rise. Oh, so it's okay. in their newer building on Broadway or just behind Broadway there. Yeah. And it's at the very top of the building. And I was like, how does that work? Like where's like, their is play there, space? Is there an outdoor space too? Yeah. So it's actually okay. on the roof and it's got big fences and it's got the ones that kind of curve in. So things can't like necessarily get thrown off. Beautiful play space. They had like a garden up there, a covered area. Very nice. Mm -hmm. um, did a fire drill with them. I was how does this work? Wow. <laughs> yeah. So okay. I kind of wanted to see a little bit of everything to just see how, it, how, how different practices work. And so I feel like we've always kind of pulled from a bunch of different places, Yeah. which kind of makes it that kind of, it's not unique. Every, I feel like there's a lot of places that do that, but we're not just one yeah. thing. I um, think it's also important to not be so rigid to yeah. be able to pick things that work specifically for the kids or yeah. whatever vibe you're going for that day. Hi friend, that was the first part of my interview with Amanda. The next episode will be up soon. Make sure to subscribe on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can check the show notes for more information. 
拜拜。Thank you.